to the Prepared Mindset podcast. I'm your host, Austin, and this week uh, I actually have a friend of mine uh, joining me talking about uh, the military, life in the military, some stuff. Uh, Before I get too far into that, as always, I want to take the opportunity to thank both of our supporting sponsors that make these episodes possible. First off, EclipseHolsters.com. Guys, if you're new to the podcast, head over to Eclipse Holsters. If you're looking for a new holster, new mag carrier, hell, even if you're not new to the podcast, head over and check them out. Whatever you guys are looking for, colors, patterns, whatever you need, they've got it. If they don't have it, they can probably get you taken care of. Uh, I mean, honestly, they guarantee under three business days, they're going to have that in the mail to you. And if you spend over 60 bucks with them, it's going to be free shipping. You really can't beat that. But they will if you use our discount code prepared15. They'll knock a 15% off of your order, whatever it is. T-shirts, maybe you need a new carry belt, dump tray. Hell, they even do wallets. Head over to EclipseHolsters.com. Check out what Jess and her team are putting together and pick yourself up some new gear. Also, MyMedic.com. It's the summer. Shit happens. We're out camping. uh, We're out rollerblading. Kids are starting rec sports. Uh, Maybe you're motorcycling. Maybe you're a boater. Whatever you guys need, my medic has it. Everything from small solo kits up to, uh, you know, we had Zeph on a couple weeks ago talking about everything that they offer there. Uh, <clears throat> you know, up to six, eight-person packs uh, to cover, like I said, rec league sports. Maybe uh, you need something for family camping trips, something for the dog, uh, something waterproof that floats for your boat, um, something small you can keep in a, a you know a saddlebag on your bike. Whatever it is that you guys need, head over to mymedic.com. Check out what they're doing there. Great company, doing a lot of great things for the community. And they were kind enough to hook us up with discount code MINDSET20. It's going to knock 20% off of your order. And if you feel so inclined, you can even head over to our Facebook page in our offer section. We are an affiliate partner. If you order through that link, you will support the podcast. A little piece of everything that you spend through that link gets kicked right on back to the prepared mindset so we can keep doing more cool shit for all of you. So go over and check out my medic. <clears throat> but this week, um, I have a friend of mine, Jake, joining me. Um, and you, sir, just got out of the Marine Corps. Correct. correct? Yeah. How long were you in for? Um, roughly six and a half years. Okay. So <clears throat> then you got in like right out of high school. Uh, I signed up when I was, my old man signed on with me. So I was 16. And okay. I left when I was 17 years old. I went to kindergarten when I was four, so I graduated mad early. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I left when I was 17 years old. Um, super, it was just a total character-building exercise. At 17 years old, I literally went from being just some stoner punk kid in high school <laughs> to um, standing in a squad bay in Paris Island. like Getting your shit together? What the fuck, yeah. So what, I mean, I guess... Uh, why the Marines? Um, so my uncle served in the Marine Corps. My aunt married him. Um, so he's married into the family. But he was in the Marine Corps, and that was really the only exposure I had to it. Um, my grandfather served in the Navy um, as a T-45 mechanic. Mm-hmm. And then my great-grandfather uh, stormed Normandy. So wow. that was kind of – that was really all I had. Like my great-grandfather, I never met him. Mm-hmm. Um, but his story has always carried on through our family, and uh, no one really 
did anything about it. Like, no one ever got, like, motivation from it or anything. It was just, like, my great-grandfather's story, and, hey, that's it. He left and came back, did the Battle of the Bulge, um, and then came home again and had, like, eight kids and raised them all in, like, some Detroit bungalow on Eight Mound, which my family still owns and lives in. Yeah. Um, I just grew up seeing, going around that house, seeing all those pictures and all that history that he created. Mm-hmm. Um, was a It was a big deal, and it motivated me. So I guess, I don't know, that was kind of the biggest deal for me. I had a cousin who's a Navy SEAL. I don't really know him. Um, but I don't know. I mean, you know he's actually a SEAL? Yeah, he's a sniper. Yeah, he's a sniper in the Navy SEALs. Okay. Um, he's been doing it. He's been in since like the mid to late 90s. He's in over 20 now. I was going to say most of those guys, once they, I mean, once you go through all of that, you don't really, it's it's something you're born for. And like, that's it. Yeah. yeah. You don't. Yeah. Really. He was a vagabond. Like he hated his mom. Like she was dating all these dudes, went across the country and disappeared. And uh, I guess it was some whole story. I don't know. My mom will tell you, I guess. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know the story at all, man. <laughs> so what, uh, what did you do when you were in? Um, I was a 6212, so I was a Harrier jet engine mechanic. So I was, um, I started out, if you ever see Top Gun with mm-hmm. the guys waving their arms around, yeah. um, that's how every boot um, in the air wing power line community starts. So when I say power line, it breaks down into different shops. You've got guys who are in charge of the airframe, you've got flight equipment, you've got seat shop who's in charge of the seat ejection, mm-hmm. ordnance, they load the guns and the bombs, then you have power line. Uh, power line, the only way I can describe it is um, if you put a fraternity in the middle of the Marine Corps, like yeah. just dick swinging everywhere, like just, I don't know, brutal. Like it was just, we fought constantly. It was super intense. Um, everybody was getting arrested all the time, like just partying super hard. And every time, I mean, we would still show up for work on time mm-hmm. and get everything done and get the flight schedule out constantly. Yeah. Um, so. I mean, and is that so? Is that what you wanted to do, or was this one of those things where you wanted one thing and the recruiter kind of got you into something a little bit different? So, kind of going back to my dad yeah. signing me on, basically, um, it was kind of almost like an emancipation type deal. Mm-hmm. Um, but I I lied to my dad. I was stupid and young, and I wanted to be a grunt. Um, so my dad signed my contract. I find, signed a fake job contract, crumpled it up, threw it in the trash, signed a grunt contract, and didn't tell my dad. And uh, we ended up going out to New Orleans, and there was drinking and all kinds of other stuff, and I slipped up because I was a kid, you know? Yeah. And I slipped up, and my old man would not talk to me, to me at all, you know? Like, he freaked out. He was pissed that I betrayed him, you know? Right. So, uh I ended up going back to the recruiting station with a whole bunch of guilt in my chest. And, uh, you know, <laughs> my shoulders like... kind of hung. I was supposed to leave in like a week. Um, and then I ended up signing this uh, aircraft contract, which was the greatest thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. You know, oh, now, so you, you, had to, you had to own up to that one before you even. Yeah. Before so I even left. Was it that like a, was it a big deal to get that fix? Uh, no. No, no they it really okay wasn't. It? No, they, my, uh, I was actually above the whole grunt thing like with my scores and everything for the ASVAB like the recruiters are kind of like why do you want to do this but like my uncle did it my cousin was in the SEALs my grandfather was a grunt yeah you know that was kind of I was like I didn't know the Marine Corps offered anything else to be honest I didn't even realize 
Like you look at a marine, you don't think of an aircraft mechanic. No, you know what I'm no. saying. You Honestly, don't think of a you don't think of a chow hall marine. You don't, Honestly, you know? <laughs> I don't. I don't think most people even realize that the marines have their own like aviators and, no. and things. Uh, and I mean, the Marine Corps aviators are like some of the hardest dudes I've ever met in my life. Like, yeah. no, I mean, I'm anything that. I don't want to say anything in the military, but a lot of that stuff uh, is, a, I would say, a great deal more difficult than people realize um, when you start just doing a little bit of research on what goes into just, like, portions uh, of, you know, those job responsibilities. I mean, for example, like, <clears throat> Sam and I were talking a couple weeks ago about uh, communications because yep. I got my ham radio license so I could start running radio comms on my kit. And he started just going down the rabbit hole on all this stuff, like, radio theory and... You know, because he was attack P, so that's that's only a piece of everything he had to know, right? Is how to work your radio, how to run the frequencies, what's going to work where. I mean, you get into it really quickly. So, and people just think, oh, well, you were in special operations, so all you had to learn how to do was shoot, or you were a marine, so all you had to learn how to do was drink beer and and kill people and shoot, and, yeah, yeah, <laughs> and you know, and I'm sure there's probably a partial truth somewhere in that. I mean, because you know, right? Every marine is a Rifleman. Hey, but. My my motto in the Marine Corps. I was because my old man came down and uh, I was married in the Marine Corps the whole time, uh, the whole married divorce thing. But my old man saw the difference between me and um, some of the single guys, <laughs> and I always told my old man. So one of the single mottos is drink, fight, and fuck. <laughs> that's that's what it comes down to, man. Is like that's what you do with your time. That's it. Yeah. yeah. And I mean. Um, I'm, I'm sure you can figure out what happens when you can't fuck. You're just going to go, you know. Drink and fight. Drink and fight. <laughs> and um, and you're somewhere where you can't fuck, so you got to you do your job, you know. So where where were you uh, stationed at? Uh, MCAS Cherry Point. So I was in uh, Marine Corps Air Station down there. Um, it's about, I'd say about 40 minutes away from Camp Lejeune, which is a more well-known mm-hmm. installation. Um, right. It's humongous. I had a couple of buddies who were stationed there. I did some party in there. Never trained. There was no flight line there. There was one in New River, but that was all uh, helos and um, you know Huey's Cobras stuff like that. Mm-hmm. So ours was um, Prowlers, C-130s, and Harriers. Yeah. Um, and then we had a couple other private aircraft for the General and stuff like that. But just uh, strictly transport. Yeah, but and it, it broke down to uh, Harriers, C-130s, and, and Prowlers. Um, and then we had a. Um, FRC East, so they would do all the, the do overs on on aircraft when they were when they were due for that. Um, sure. They would break them down and inspect them and stuff. You know, I level st- or depot level stuff that we couldn't touch. Right. Um, looking at the really digging into the airframe. So, how long was your training process for all of this? I mean, because I assume you you went through basic. Yep. And then tech school after that, right? Um. Or- so yeah, I actually went through really quick. Um, surprisingly faster than a lot of the guys that ended up working for me because mm-hmm. um, I was getting guys right before I got out who were taking like it was almost a year until they hit the fleet and for me like I went through Paris Island combat training in Camp Geiger North Carolina and then I went down to uh, Pensacola to the uh, sure. Naval Air Station down there uh, did about I actually flunked um out of the initial schooling and then had to stop and keep going. I had to reclass, um, which put me at the bottom of the class, which is how I ended up with Harriers because nobody picks those. Um, <laughs> everybody wanted F-35s and Hueys and Cobras and all this other shit, and I ended up with, with Harriers, Harriers, which was awesome. I love it, and I'm glad I didn't get anything else. 
Um, but then I went to C school after I got the Harrier. So did you flunk out because you were partying too much, or did you flunk out because you uh, just couldn't do it? Yeah, it was a lot of partying. I was young and stupid. I mean, it's just like any other. Say, yeah. You throw a seventeen-year-old into college, they're gonna do the same shit. You know, oh, you yeah. get thrown out of the real world, and there's. Dude, I have I have yeah. younger brothers or a younger brother that literally lost full ride scholarships twice, right? Uh, from drinking and partying That's and it. fucking at at college too much, and like just didn't go to didn't go to class, and it's yep. like, dude, you blew. You know, and it probably wasn't a full ride. I think it was maybe a half ride. But regardless, like a bunch of money being thrown at him and stuff. Like, yeah, it's the just immaturity. And that's what it comes down to is like my old man tells me all the time too is, uh, you know, I joined really early. So there was a whole lot. There were a whole lot of things that I had to learn extremely fast. Mm-hmm. Um, things that not necessarily I was ready for. Um, but I didn't have a choice at that point. Yeah. Um, it's either you figure it out or you're screwed. Well, right. Um, and there was a pet. A school, man, when I flunked out, there was a bar there, and it was called Portside, they called it. And it was on the beach, females everywhere. It was right. awesome, dude. It was like the coolest. Of 17 years old on the beach in Florida, it was the coolest shit ever, and it was on base. So it was walking distance, like a block away from the barracks I was living in. And uh, I had this crazy-ass roommate from Alabama. He was my rack mate in boot camp. Um, pretty sure this kid didn't have shoes until he joined the Marine Corps type shit, man. Like, Seriously? Yeah. So I used to go party with that kid, and he was 20. I think he was like 20 or 21, mm-hmm. and I, he was a couple years older than me. Um, and he would take me down there, man. He would drag me over there, and there were all these girls, and there was just trouble always. And it always got me into trouble out there. And then by the time I got to C school, I uh, – Got a little bit wiser, I guess, and I kind of just kept my kept my mouth shut, kept yeah. my shit to myself, a more and uh, just hey, do what I'm told, mm-hmm. and I'm gonna get through the schooling, and I still made it through in from boot boot camps, thirteen and a half weeks in Paris Island, and then MCTs a month because I didn't have to wait to class up through there. A school, I want to say, even after flunking, I was there for two months, and then I went to uh, C school, which was just a month. So yeah. it really wasn't it wasn't what like this big production that it's made into now where these kids are waiting right a to get year, in and, you know get to get just pipeline. to get to the fleet it's like dude that's now you've got 4 years as a line mechanic and you have to make your way in 4 years when these other guys are getting you know we all got 5 right it sucks i feel bad for these kids but it's a dying breed now do it's you think being, it's, uh, it's dying because people are just and why do you think it's dying? Um, so the Harrier is extremely outdated. Um, yeah. So, like, my unit, for example, has a couple more months before there's no more Marines in it. So we are... Oh, so we were just talking like, sunsetting it. Like, yep. it's, it's on a, a borrowed timeline, so to speak. Yeah, so I was at a squadron called a VMAT-203. We were the only... We were talking about this earlier. The only training yeah. squadron for Harriers um, in the world. So we would get Italians, Spaniards... Um, Brits and Americans that would all congregate in this one hangar mm-hmm. with, uh, like I said, maybe 200 Marines maintaining these aircraft with 30-something, you know? Is that, I mean, I, I when I think of the Harrier, honestly, I think it's predominantly adva- taken advantage of in, like, European countries, but do we use it? I mean, we, I just... use the, we use the shit out of them, absolutely. Oh, really? My first... Um, 
my first year in the fleet, it was my first couple months, I checked into a unit that was just getting back from deployment. And uh, they dropped 667 bombs in seven months. <laughs> and they got an award for it. And I was sitting there, again, I was a child. It was brand new. I was yeah. a minor. Barely had armpit hair, dude. And I'm, like, <laughs> looking at these guys. And I'm looking at And, like, back then, um, it was a lot different. Um, the hazing policies have changed. Um, yeah. The whole steroid policy, It they used to put a blind eye to it. That's all changed. Everything's all reformed. Which so is probably, I think... For the, I mean, realistically, probably a little better for, for the better, at least with in the a way. Stuff. I mean, I'm not really gonna get too into it because uh, technically I'm not done yet, so I'm, <laughs> I'm not gonna get too political about it. But from my perspective, coming up in the Marine Corps, um, it was hard. It was I was you know sitting on the I sat on the flight, my food on the floor, I did everything on the floor, and then. You know, if you looked up, you had this thing called the Tough Book. It's what cops use. Um, It's just, it's what we have all of our publications in. And you're sitting there reading these pubs, learning about the aircraft. Mm -hmm. And uh, you've got this dude who's 230 pounds, whose wife just cheated on him while he was on deployment for nine months, staring into the windows of your soul. (laughs) And you're 19 years old, just like, please don't hurt me, you know? (laughs) And then you look up at him, and it's like, that's it. Like, you're dead. You're dead. (laughs) <laughs> and now it's now it's completely changed. It's like there's when I was leaving, there was this whole circle of what we call boots, just brand new guys throwing this circle like on their phones and hitting their vapes and shit. And it's like I wanted to rip their heads off. It's, I and I think that's uh, indicative of today's culture, just in general. Like absolutely. Um, I think and I don't want to sound like stupid old or whatever, and but it's like I don't know. It, it, you can you can see in the last five six years definitely where we've gone um, from being I guess uh, what I would have considered like a stable culture <clears throat> to now where it's like everything offends you you can't say anything mean to anybody you can't do anything mean if you point out something and somebody's doing wrong you know like hey man why are you vaping in here yep. get that shit out of here it's like and my generation like if. Like, I was dipping when, so I dipped for, I was spitting dip for, I don't know, five years. And I quit this past September and started just vaping just to get over it. Mm -hmm. But it became this whole thing in the Marine Corps where, like, when I joined, everyone had a wad of dip in their mouth. And that was just, and everyone was, and everyone was humongous. And now all these dudes that are joining, it's like some... It's like a culture club. Like I don't know. It's just weird. And like and that's that's I've I've seen articles and that kind of stuff where like they're starting to lower standards on physical exams or like you know they made them tests and things. They I don't know how it is now because with COVID it screwed it up mm-hmm. and I got hurt towards the end. Um, I caught a component coming off a wing and screwed my shoulder up. So I actually didn't do any of the physical shit just because of COVID and my injury. Um, since 2019, I think, Damn. was my last PFTI. Dude, I scored because I was on my way out of the Marine Corps. I ended up doing an extension to reenlist, um, which is a whole other rabbit hole. We can get into that later. But um, they made it at one point, like, even in the Marine Corps. The Marine Corps, I think, was one of the first ones to do it, where they made male and female the same. And they kind of yeah. did it right when they were allowing females into the infantry. So it was a really weird, confusing era that I tried not to pay attention to, I sure. guess. Just try and to get hopefully this stuff. goes to your listeners who don't get their feelings hurt. But that whole era 
no, like pissed I, me off and I just I tried to I don't know I tried to just blank it out you know yeah um it freaked me out the thought of you know uh, going going somewhere and doing some shit that you know now someone who's half my size has to carry me to safety well, so I don't die that's the context right and that's yep. really what makes the difference is <clears throat> when you put context behind it it's not that and I hate that people put it put these kinds of things in like a, such a specific lens to make it look like you're trying like it's, it's not a slight against women right it, it, it really isn't um, it's because what you just said you know in a combat situation in or even in your line of work right like okay maybe you just have to lift something when yep. planes are landing shit's going on like you have to be able to to do a certain amount of physical activity mm-hmm. I think honestly the bar should be set the same for everyone I mean if you're a really scrawny dude or yep. a really beefy chick you know like yep. as long as you get the job done I mean I don't really give a shit and that was kind of the cool part about like where I was at like in my field like with uh the power line guys yeah. is when we got um i say female loosely just because that's what we call them in the marine corps was female marines yeah um we got females into our shop and they were all like hard as nails like like deep like deep into florida or like appalachian like just hard as shit man <laughs> and like they came in and like at first like females fought females in the shop and guys yeah. fought guys and then eventually it was like these girls are beating the shit out of each other like is this gonna happen you know and then it kind of just and it all kind of came together and it was beautiful you know yeah and it was like everyone got along and there was equality and like it was this mm-hmm. beautiful thing but then it spread through like it's like the marine corps just got this beautiful idea of like let's make everything equal and then the whole transgender thing happened in the marine corps and just the military in general and it yeah. just got like so political and confusing to me. Yeah, and I don't, I don't necessarily. <clears throat> it freaked I mean, me out. I, in my opinion, and again, I've, I've never served, but yeah. I, I mean, in any job field, whether it's military, government, private sector, whatever, I, I try to remove that from the equation. Honestly, yeah. I think that people that bring that into the discussion are looking for a fight. Yep. Or they're That's looking it. for attention. And I never, um, and I don't judge. I never brought it up. No, I never said I mean, anything. If it's about the merits of. Your your personal merits and your your personal uh, work work ethic. Mm-hmm. I will. I you mean and there's people I work with that I'm sure are gay and I don't know it. There's yeah. people that you know. I mean whatever. You don't know a bunch of stuff about people's personal lives. And the military um, has changed in that aspect with the don't ask don't tell shit that used to happen back in like the 90s and early yeah. 2000s. Um, I have a cousin who dealt with that in the Navy. He was gay and he yeah. had a tough time. And now it's like it literally comes down to. If you're willing to save my ass and I'm willing to save right. yours, who gives a shit? The, the politics, that's the beauty of the Marine Corps, too, and just the military in general, is politics do not matter. When you're when you're in some shit with your buddies, mm-hmm. um, male, female, who gives a shit, it doesn't matter. It right. None of that, you're not thinking about politics, you're not thinking it's the, about the fact that even if you're in war, you're not thinking about it's a politician's war. Right. It's the camaraderie built through shared hardship. Right, you're you know? there because someone's getting paid a shit ton to put you there. It's That's the same what thing it you see with, with sports teams, yep. um, you know, I think you said the military, um, it's not, and, I, and that's what that's what's so, what's so fucking frustrating is it, it really is. It, it boils down to people looking for attention. They want to make problems where there don't necessarily need to be problems. And I'm not saying that there's probably not instances somewhere 
where somebody mistreated somebody else. There's and, a ton of them. You know what I mean? You, I mean, yeah. I'm sure that's, but I think that we focus too much on issues like that. And um, I think as a overall, let's say the military overall is, is starting to probably suffer from that. In addition to, um, we're in a democratic presidency, right? I spent- and it, that the typical Democrat playbook, right. Is, and this isn't me trying to get super political. Yeah. It's just, you know, I, I'm, Full disclosure, my wife and I have been rewatching uh, The West Wing, yep. which is very liberal. Yep. It's about a Democratic president. Great show. Great acting. I don't agree with the point of the ton of politics, but they pointed this out. It makes a shitload of sense. Yeah. Um, Democratic uh, administrations like to scale back the military and then spread the resources super thin, whereas Republican presidents like to scale up the military and conserve resources. Well, when and, I was... I mean, that's... When I was in, I saw, like, Obama administration. Shit was bananas. Like, mm-hmm. I mean, nonstop deployments and just craziness. And then, um, and that was just with, when I say that, I'm looking at my community. The Harrier community is very small and very tight-knit, okay? There's not many of us. I think there's four squadrons left. Sure. So it's very, very, very small. Um I also have buddies um, who are combat engineers, which they walk around metal detectors in front of the guys patrolling. Their batteries die in their metal detectors, and they're out in the middle of the desert. They have to make beeping noises with their mouths so the guys behind them don't freak out. Um, I've got a buddy in the Navy. He's on a destroyer. When I ran, was targeting us. Yeah. Uh, Was that a year and a half ago? Something like that? Yeah. He was the only destroyer out there, and he was literally right next to where I ran. He was sitting right there. And uh, I had another buddy who was on a boat. Um, he was on an LHD with uh, Harriers um, right next to that destroyer, and they sat there for days. Mm-hmm. And it was just it was nuts, man. But that transition from the Obama into the Trump administration was very weird because my community, it seemed like everything like hit the brakes. And everything really? slowed down for us. And then towards the end, geared back up, and mm-hmm. now that um, we've got a new president in office, it's like that's we've got you know a deployment every once in a while. Everything well, slowed way yeah. down, and now we're sundowning squadrons. Well, and they're they're making moves to withdraw troops and military from yep. Iran, or sorry, from Iraq, Afghanistan. They're trying to slow everything down, right? Which is great. <clears throat> I mean, I love that. Um, but it I mean, was I like that. It's taking troops out of harm's way. I think that. And somebody shared something else. Again, this is all on social media, but shared a you know uh, a clip of three headlines stacked on each other. One, like you said, from Obama, one from Trump, and one from Biden administrations, yep. saying troops pulled being pulled out of Iraq. So I mean, we've been trying to remove our military presence from the Middle East for forever, ever. And uh, unfortunately, I think that that region of the world, just for a lot of cultural and religious reasons, I think is almost always is going to be guaranteed to be in a, a, a constant. Absolutely. We'll always be over there. I don't think they're just trying to ease the American mindset, I think. And mm-hmm. I get that. For us, I don't know. I mean, when when I joined the Marine Corps, and I think it, it to this day is still the same with some of these guys that are just coming in. Yeah. Like, you don't join the Marine Corps to sit on your ass. No. You didn't join the Marine Corps to go sit in a no, hangar. That's what you do in the Air Force. Right. Yeah, right. <laughs> you, you join the Marine Corps to deploy, and... Eventually, it wears off. It weared off on me where, like, I was like, you know what, whatever. I'm not going to. You know, I had a couple opportunities. 
um, got hurt and then, uh, you know, went through my marriage and it, it, I had a lot going on. So um, I bit off a lot more than I could chew. And I know that if I would have left, I don't know, I would have made good money and I would have been fine, but I don't know, it was difficult. So then they put me in that unit where we trained pilots from around the world and it was fantastic. I met a bunch of awesome dudes. Um, we went, I, we have a saying, um, just Navy Marine Corps has a saying, um, you've seen the entire world from the inside of a bar. Um, and that kind of goes back to that saying sure. we were talking about earlier. So seeing the entire world from the inside of a bar, uh, my guys always had a joke that we saw the entire United States from the inside of a bar. Um, we went to, you know, California, Arizona, I've been to New Jersey, uh, Idaho, Washington State. I've been all over the place. I've been to Alpena. Like, yeah. Alpena has that place up in Oscoda. We went up there and did some cold weather training. I've been to Wisconsin for cold weather training. See, I had a friend that I think was Air Force Reserves. She used to complain about having to go up to Oscoda for training I loved for training it, dude. Stuff. And I'm from here, so, like, I was taking my boys out to places that, like, I knew of. Yeah. And, like, now I'm going there with my girlfriend because her family lives up there. Mm-hmm. So, like, it's that's one of my favorite places. And I got to bring the Harrier with my buddies to Michigan, you know? And, like, I loved that. I loved being able to bring what we had to my home state. I was proud of that. You know, you don't hear about us going to fucking Alabama, <laughs> <laughs> you know, with all my other buddies. I mean, or, you yeah. know, we went down to um, Savannah, Georgia one time, um, and that was a disaster. Uh, a bunch of guys got from my shop got jumped. Um, it was really bad. One of my buddies got his jaw broken. Who it was, jumps a bunch of Marines? Uh, a bunch of college kids that were way bigger than them, apparently. Oh. Yeah, it was wild, man. I <clears throat> luckily missed that um, by a hair. And, uh, yeah, that was a nightmare. We've had a lot of fun, though. Um, Yuma, Arizona is, to this day, one of my favorite places in the entire world. And there's a Is there a base there? Yeah, we have another Marine Corps air station out there in Yuma. The I Harrier has, I think there's one Harrier squadron left out there. They're, it's all F-35s now. I have a brother-in-law who's in the Air Force, and I think he might be or might have been at that base i think he's he he's in new mexico now or something but okay um he was on like albuquerque or something i maybe. don't know what he was doing when he was in arizona something he said something about auditing he talked about flying around on helicopters with a clipboard and i'm like that sounds pretty boring man and i would rather be in a helicopter as a door gunner well he is you know? i think now he's in a different job position with something with i think he's an artillery gunner okay he's shared a couple pictures on social media field artillery or something yeah something like that um i you know i <clears throat> my my favorite thing about the marine corps um not to get off topic from that no. my mind is just going because i've never done a podcast before dude. so <laughs> like my good. now i'm like i was super uncomfortable earlier like real nervous about it and now i'm like ready to talk um I don't know, like, I met some really, really cool guys. Um, when I was getting out, you have what's called terminal leave. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's like you take whatever leave you have left over, and that is what you use towards the end of your contract. So you sign your paperwork before you leave, and then, like, I'm home right now. Um, You're still on terminal leave. I'm on terminal leave for, like, another two weeks. It's like burning all your PTO time before you yep, leave a job. exactly. Yeah. So... I have to do um, like a outbound interview type deal, and that gets sent to our administration shop upstairs, which is like just computer geeks. Yeah, yeah. Um, so they send it over to IPAC, who does that's like base geeks, basically. Mm-hmm. They do everything for everybody. Um, and that has to be submitted within a certain amount of time. I think it was 30 days or something, and they didn't submit it. So 
it came down to crunch time. You know, I was supposed to get out. I got out on the 22nd I left. Um, I called up there on, like, up to IPAC, I think on, like, the 10th. Yeah. Um, Maybe a little bit later. Yeah, I think it was a week prior. I was like, hey, when can I schedule to come, you know, review to my separation this, paperwork, yeah. you know? And they were like, oh, you got another month. And I was like, I was living in a camper because I just went through a divorce, sold my house, living in a camper yeah. in the middle of a chicken farm in Greenville, North Carolina, losing my goddamn mind. And you told me about that. I was like, you're living in a camper? Right. And they were like, oh, your S1 screwed your, your admin shop. They didn't submit it until yesterday. And I had it in there for a month. So I went up to a lieutenant colonel. And this is where those high, Harrier pilots come in handy with power line guys, man. It's the power line shop, man. I went right up there. I walked. I didn't take anybody up there with me. Went right up to a lieutenant colonel's office. It was our XO. He was our commanding officer's right-hand man. Mm-hmm. And I walked in pissed. In, wearing clothes like this. No uniform, no nothing. Walked right in pissed. And uh, that's kind of where the air wing differs from. The, I was going to say, how, did, how, how was that received? I mean, like, he, he, well, he loved me. He okay. loved me. Yeah, no, like, that's where it's different is, like, because I could do that with my boss, but I mean, like private sector is obviously right. real different. So, with the air wing specifically, um, we work with majors, lieutenant colonels. We get full bird colonels constantly that come through and do fan flights, stuff like that. You know, just sure. getting it out of their system. Um, but with the grunts, like I got buddies in the grunts who are like, "You, you're drinking with a major." on the weekends in Yuma, like, on your day off. And I'm like, yeah, we all go to the bar together. Like, everybody. Like, every like everyone goes to the bar. And it blew their minds. Um, but you have to think, when those pilots are in those aircraft... Um, they're relying on the work you did. You, I am the eyes on the ground for them. Right. And they're also, again, yeah, they're relying on the work that I did. I was an inspector when I got out. So I was a collateral duty inspector. So I would take 18-year-old kids out on these aircraft, watch them fix it, and then inspect it and call it good. And then I would sign off the math, um, which is we call maths. There, it's just a work order. Sure. And then maintenance control would sign it off. They would give their safer flight, and then that jet would go out and fly. Um. So these pilots, it was my name on their aircraft every time. Yeah. So there's a whole lot of trust there. And yeah. Exactly. Like, culturally, it's a bit different than what you would see. Like to your point. That's a huge in deal, yeah. The infantry or, or grunts or whatever, I mean. Right, the highest the infantry is going to see is probably a captain, a lieutenant or a captain, you know. Right. Um, and then majors and lieutenant colonels, you know, maybe for a motivational speech. I don't know. That's, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Um, and, uh, yeah, it was nuts, man. It was, it was something. And talking to these guys who just going out and drinking and hanging out with these guys and hearing, hearing their stories, stories and stuff yeah dude, it just made me feel like a little bitch i felt <laughs> like a little kid sitting there with them because i felt like you know so you i'm never, a marine you know did you ever you didn't actually deploy to a combat zone or anything when you were in then. no um not once see that's that was the same thing with with sam yeah uh, he i think he was in for six years he he told me he volunteered to go a handful of times um, and it sounds similar to your story. <clears throat> he got to a certain point and had been hurt yep. uh, in X number of different ways or something. And just, you know, he kind of just made that personal decision, you know, like, I, this is it. You know, I'm, I'm good. Um, you know, you hit that point when you're either I'm all in or not. And, yep. I, um, I went through the whole boot thing where um, boots buy cars. Okay. Boots go and buy Mustangs, Camaros, Scat Packs. Have you ever seen the show 68 Whiskey? Nope. It's on, I think it's on the, you think you have to pay for Paramount uh, Plus or something like the subscription service. And it's, 
I think he did a free trial that was on there, but they did an episode like where they literally, and I don't know if it's true or not, but they like out to one of these forward bases, had like a car salesman out there with a Camaro. Oh, it's and, a nightmare. Like, sold it to uh, some like 19 year old kid yep. who could barely afford it or something. I'm yeah, like, it's, uh, dude, I was getting kids who would be fresh out of mom and dad's house. Um, and I'll get more into that here in a second because <laughs> it's the, this generation that's coming into the, the service and stuff and just in general who's coming into our world is yeah. that one of my kids couldn't read a clock. Dude, well, like an analog clock. Could not read an digital. analog clock. That's I was sitting there running the desk and he was signing in a tool and he was like, oh, cool. What, what time is it? What time is it? And I was like, bitch, there's a clock right on my head. And I like went back to going to the computer, you know, typing away. And I realized this kid's standing there for like five more minutes. Trying to figure it out. With his mouth open, just staring at it, dude. And I was yeah, like. But you know what? My mom used to own a restaurant and she had she had kids that she would hire that, that it had to be digital. Yeah. And I'm like, seriously? Yeah. So yeah. these kids, though, they go, they get out of mom and dad's house. Okay. Um, They go through all their training and then they show up to our shop. And it's obviously a lot of rank structure military you know yep. so um i get out as a corporal i never got promoted so much and got in trouble when i was younger that doesn't matter so <laughs> <laughs> i was an idiot when i first joined the marine corps i i had a great time so um i got out as a six and a half year corporal um but these kids would show up and they would be assigned to corporals okay so they show up as a pfc you know probably first class or lance corporal um and they get assigned to a corporal and then the corporal you know has the sergeant or whatever and ours sucked so we were in charge of these kids we didn't really have anyone above us our gunny was retiring by the time i was getting out my staff sergeant um had his own situation going on yeah so it was us it was a corporal ran shop and these kids were just going buck wild man going out and it was like right when this first started happening this transition of us running the shop yeah these kids went reckless they were out alcohol poisoning um, like all kinds of just crazy so, shit. Okay, let me just ask, like, so when something like that happens, you yeah. know, so like civilian side, yeah, I go out because tonight's Thursday. Um, I, I work tomorrow, right? Mm-hmm. I plow through or whatever. I go out or I plow through this twenty four pack I just bought, and I am sick. I guys take a PTO day. Yep. So do, is that is it no big deal for you guys to call off like that? Or I mean, is like somebody um, going to come in and chew your ass out for not being there to do your job? I mean, because if I don't show up for my job, there's there is an impact to the yep. customers and stuff. But for you guys, it's I would think it's slightly more impactful in that you're supporting combat aircraft. Yeah. Know? So it's kind of a silly deal, I guess. It's all in who you know. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, I growing up was always down with people who were older than me, right? Yeah. And I was always drinking with kids who were older than me, and that fed into the Marine Corps. So I was, even as a Lance Corporal, um, I was kind of in this underground with sergeants and stuff. So I got away with murder. Like, I did whatever I wanted. And, like, on the weekends, you know, even if they just hazed the shit out of me in front of everyone to make a, they could use the shit out of me. I didn't care. <laughs> I would still, they would take me out get me drunk that weekend, and yeah. nobody else would be there, you know? <laughs> so once I got up in the the ranks a little bit and earned respect um dude if i drank too much and i called into work like it it wasn't really a big deal um otherwise i mean if you're on detachment you're still showing up and they're gonna run the shit out of you like, oh you're just gonna have to suck you're yeah you're just gonna suffer em- embrace the suck for the yeah day. you're not gonna touch an airplane you're not you're gonna stand in the sun and it's gonna be miserable and you're not gonna want to do it again and that's Oof. 
they kind of yeah. right it's like when your dog shits on the floor man you know your dog gets yelled at and he doesn't want to shit on the floor again it's the same thing but with really dumb kids you know yeah the marine corps isn't uh usmc we, we have an acronym uncle sam's misguided children yep it's uh that. it's not for the faint of heart but it's also not the air force the Air Force, we joined the Marine Corps because we couldn't join the Air Force, you know, if you're in the Air Wing. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, Everybody well, that I worked with, their parents were on the Air Force and shit. Um, no, they weren't getting in. They were just a tick down. You so know? Like too dumb to get into the Air Force? So Yeah, that's yeah. pretty much what it comes down to. And for me, I was just too dumb to observe my options joining and just ended up in the Marine Corps. Um, yeah. But, yeah, I mean, I don't know. It was uh, it was a phenomenal experience. Um so I'll, I'll kind of get into more of what your listeners probably get into is I was actually a marksmanship coach as well for Remember, you and I talked probably a yeah. couple years ago and you had mentioned something like that. I was going to, you know, ask like, how did, how did that come into things? Is that like a, so I was, it kind of played into missing that deployment and uh, getting hurt and all that stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, they kind of saw me, I guess, as a liability cause I was kind of a wild child when I first joined. Um, and as a boot, you're a liability in its own. They're really not going to take a boot on a deployment. They did in Afghanistan because they needed bodies they needed and bodies, stuff. Right. Right, but now they're not going to do that. Mm-hmm. So they look at you as just some kind of idiot. <laughs> and they're like, all right, we're either going to leave you here or we're going to send you to another unit um, to go work on Harriers over there and continue learning um, or aircraft in general. Sure. Um, and I got really lucky because they liked me, so they – I don't know. I don't really know how it worked out. The Gunny that I was working for, who was a Harrier, like the godfather. Oh, his name was Gunny Fawn, if he's listening. That dude was an OG. So he knew everything. Um, he liked me for whatever reason. I never gave him a reason to, to be honest. But he sent me to the rifle range. And uh, I went out there, did the whole coach's course thing, um, went through the whole process. And again, I was young. So yeah. I was at the bottom of the barrel and just ate shit. Um, but, dude, I learned... <laughs> I learned so much out there, uh, going to Stone Bay, um, which is the rifle range out in Camp Lejeune. Mm-hmm. Our range was under construction in Cherry Point, so we would go out there and coach Marsoc. So we were with Marine Special Operations. Wow, Raiders. Coaching them. Yeah. And they were assholes to us, man. They knew we were just some pogue, just air wing just boot fucks. I hate that term. Again, I, I oh, I did in. too, I but like... the term pogue. I do, but. I did, but like, it makes me laugh now yeah. because like, who gives a shit, you know? At the end of the day, we're all the same. We've all got it in our blood, you know, is what it is. But we would go out there and uh, these guys were nuts, man. Like, they would be like shooting, not even like shit, but like shittier than they normally would. Mm-hmm. So they would just push their forward assist and pull the trigger and just blow their bolt and come back next week. Like, they did not give a shit. Because if you push your forward assist to pull that trigger, it f- just fucks that shit up. Right. You know? And, uh, yeah, they would just blow the shit up and leave. They'd be like, fuck this. You know? And, like, just... So, I mean, but... Okay, so when you were doing that, I assume then you probably also trained other Marines... Correct. Not at that level. Yes. Right? Yeah. So, would you say, then, it's a fair assessment that... I mean, so... One of these things that, that's been like real big recently, there's a Medal Honor recipient, uh, Dakota Meyer. Yep, Dakota and, Meyer. I love that guy. Well, phenomenal. A lot of people being. in the the uh, 2A community, <clears throat> myself included, not big fans right now, um, just because he made some very, some very inflammatory comments about people that like you know, 
post stuff on Instagram and oh, yeah. basically trying to shit talk people that are trying to be more prepared Americans, um, a lot of pro 2A people and stuff. But So would you say it's still a fair assessment then that just because you were in the military does not mean that you are a amazing shooter oh, with absolutely amazing abilities? Not. When I joined the Marine Corps, I shot like shit. Okay. Um, and I got a lot of Marines that came out there and I'm not going to say they shot like shit because that's mean, but they needed they needed help. I don't think they, it's mean and that to say was that, that was our job like though, shit, but, but that's your job. Is that was our job was to gotta, help uh, them, and you that gotta was suck in order to get better, right? Right, like, and so. that was the that was kind of the pride that came into our job was we would take those guys who are showing up, mm-hmm. and in one week we would take them from not even hitting the target to shooting expert, you know. Yeah. And it's like, dude, congratulations! Now you can go wear this to the ball and swing your dick around in front of everybody <laughs> because all your buddies. Um, you know, shot marksmen, and they all get to wear a pizza box. And now right. you're walking around. That was my whole thing. Was I shot like shit when I rolled out of there, or when I showed up there? Mm-hmm. I rolled out. I had double expert pistol, pistol, double expert rifle. I was the only lance corporal when I came back to my unit. That you know, wearing that. some shit like that at a uniform inspection. And I mean, I just looked like a gangster. I had shit hanging all off me. <laughs> you know, it looked like some stolen valor shit. You know. Yeah. And uh, yeah. compared to the kids standing next to me, and like to see the look on somebody's face. You know, and a lot of times I learned, and I never knew this until I went out there, that people's promotions, like, that week was what their promotion came down to. So you would have a staff sergeant out there who was slotted. He was selected for a gunny, and he had to go out there and shoot. And if he shot like shit, he wasn't going to make it because you're put into a pool of people in your rank, and you have to beat them out. Is that a Marines-only thing, or is that across... Do you know, is that across the... Um, So I know, like... Well, like, the Navy, they take tests, um, and I think the Air Force does something similar. I'm not too sure. Army, I have no clue. Um, See, I think... I mean, personally, and again, this has just never been in, never, you know, but just my opinion, I think it should be. I mean, because realistically... um, if you're ever called on to use those skills, you should at least be... And the same thing we talk about right now as a civilian with concealed carriers, yep. you should at least be competent. You should n- not necessarily have to be the most capable or confident in the world, but you should at least be competent in how to use your weapon system at the very minimum to make yourself not a liability. Yep. And um, I'll never forget, I had a, a friend um, who was a reservist who was being deployed. I mean, it was... Is to fucking Kuwait, you mm-hmm. know, like friendly country. Yep. Not a big deal. Probably not going to ever. And she, she was, they were not a uh, non combat oriented position, you know, yep. but just like bitching up and down because she had to go weapons qualify before she deployed. I'm like, yeah. well, you're heading to a, I mean, possibly dangerous part you're of the world. You're heading to the Middle East. Oh, yeah. they love us there. Like, well, yes, but they also loved you on the military base here where there was a terrorist attack and they, you know, bombed the building. I mean, that doesn't I mean, don't take it for granted. You like know, what Beirut, I mean? like, Lebanon. Yeah, I mean, Lebanon's a friendly country. Yeah, right. And do you remember the Beirut, Lebanon situation? Yes. And then um, With the Marine barrack bombing. Yeah, you should look into uh, Camp Bastion. Have you ever heard of that? The Camp Bastion attack. That one I have not. Okay, so um, and your listeners should look into it as well because that goes into my community. Um, that was Camp Bastion was in uh, Afghanistan, I believe. Um, it was a group of guys in a, in a militia, Taliban, I think, was affiliated, mm-hmm. um, attacked uh, Camp Bastion, which was full of aircraft with rocket launchers. Um, I I mean, this was 2000, let me look it up. I want to say it was like 2012 or something along those lines. So uh, not even early war on terror where it would have been something that was expected and actively 
I mean, it wasn't, though. Like, I mean, it was kind of how... Uh, but I mean, what I'm saying is, like, 2012, we were... I mean, been. I mean, it, it was later, late enough in things that we had, by that point, kicked Al-Qaeda and the Taliban out of most of Afghanistan. Um, the war wasn't obviously won. I mean, it's, in my mind, I don't... I don't think many people think that we actually won that war. This was this was but. in Helmand Province, though, um, where shit's still popping off. Okay. So, it was it was a raid basically, and they went through. It's not even loading. So, they they went through and um, they started shooting rockets off at hangars, and there were guys like shooting off at at the hangars with guns and stuff like you know rifles and everything else. And from the guys that I still know. Um, who I worked for, um, who were avionics, you know, power lines, stuff like that. Avi, their shop just started to have bullet holes going through the walls. And, like, they were sitting there playing Game Boy, dude. Like, not yet. Totally no not one, I mean, you're that. like, when we go back to that term Pogue, yeah. none of us ever expect in the air wing to get into a firefight. And there were guys literally sitting there playing Game Boy, like minding their damn business and bullet holes just started ripping Start through fire. the room right and uh you know there were they there were certain people who ran and hid they had to protect vaults and stuff like that top secret shit sure, sure. um so there were guys who there was a um I'm trying to think of a word for it i don't know they they went into the situation where they had to protect certain things and then other guys went and took care of business right they they figured it out the marine corps mentality man figured it out quick fast and in a hurry um and then ran out there in the line, and some of them were in, like, skivvy shorts and T-shirts, man. Threw their <laughs> right. flag and their Kevlar on, yep. grabbed a rifle, and took off. And um, they ran out there, and they were, I'm up, they see me, I'm down, you know, uh, going through the, the flight line, uh, lighting them up, um, you know, returning fire. Okay, yeah, so this was, yeah, September 14th, 2012. Yep. Taliban raid on Camp Bastion in Helmand Province. Uh, uh, two Marines... Uh, they got two, two Marines killed, destroyed or severely damaged, eight U.S. Marine Corps Harriers, and a C-130 before uh, the entire raiding force was killed or captured. Yep. That was it. Wow. And uh, my original unit was involved with that attack. So the unit that I showed up to with all those guys I was talking yeah. to you about earlier. Um, they were involved in all that? There were a handful of them, the higher ranking, like not high ranking, but the the staff NCOs and stuff, staff sergeants, gunnies, stuff like that, were all there. Anyone mm-hmm. above staff sergeant was there, um, who was still attached to that unit from when it happened. Had been through it. Yep. And I mean, there were, and they were all lance corporals when it happened. Most of them lance corporals, corporals, and sergeants. Um, and I remember this. I, the way I learned about this attack was there was this guy who came through. He was a staff sergeant, and I don't remember what shop he was from, but it was right around the ball. And he, they were doing a uniform inspection, and he came into our shop to ask us something maintenance-related. And it was the first time I'd ever met him, and he kind of had a flamboyant tone to his voice. Okay. Um, kind of a pretty boy. Like, he had the hair kind of done up, and, you know, I, I was like, well, you know, I looked at the corporal sitting next to me. It was kind of cool with him. I was like, is that guy gay? Like, I <laughs> and he was like, did you look at his, his ribbon stack, you know? And that's how every Marine sizes each other up. Is how it doesn't matter how big you are, who you are, what you did. It's your stack. That's what it comes down to: is your your ribbons and medals. And I caught him again, and he had a combat action ribbon with a with a bronze star on it. And I was like, oh shit! Like, dude, he sounds like Clay Aiken, but that dude beat my ass all day, you know. (laughs) And it and it kind of um, that's when I learned 
uh, to not judge by, you know, first impressions, stuff like that. That was yeah. another life learning experience as a young guy in the Marine Corps. Um, you don't know what any Marine or anybody in the military has ever been through. Yeah. And you can't ever judge them off of that. Well, I mean, and, and honestly, and I think that's something that can be applied to just normal life. Even Absolutely. I mean, I think as a society where we've gotten really judgmental and in some instances that can be a really bad thing, right? I mean, like you said, some of the most unassuming dudes in the world are the ones that are going to fuck your shit up and ruin your day. Yep. You it's, it's always the quiet guy. <laughs> right, right. And I think, you know, and part of that's learning how to read mannerisms. Part of that's uh, just learning how to be like a decent human being. I mean, straight up, I think we got enough assholes in this world. You know, I don't think... Yeah, that, we don't uh, need any more of them. No, I mean, def- definitely not. I mean, I get what you're saying because everybody, I mean, high school mentality was like, oh, check this guy out, like yep. look at them. And, and that's I'm kind sure. of the thing with the Marine Corps. The Marine Corps is like... Uh, and I say this loosely, I get, not even, because the other branches that I've seen, um, their age brackets are way different. So the Marine Corps, the oldest you can be to join the Marines is 28 years old. Okay. You can join the Air Force, the Navy, the Army, like, way later. Like, there's dudes, like, going dude, into their 30s. Dude, there's a guy I just gra- I, that, I, that I graduated high school with, went all through elementary, middle school, high school with, yep. who just... Within the last three months, I think, uh, enlisted in the Army. Yep. And uh, right. I just turned 32, so he's definitely at least 30. Right. And so when I when I say this, it's like the Marine Corps is like the Lord of the Flies, man. It's, <laughs> it's an island of kids. Yeah. It's young mentality. I mean... It, and it's it's all built off of testosterone and you throw alcohol and all the partying i mean guys doing just crazy shit and they're all huge you know just weightlifting just super cocky because you know they're marines and i don't know it's it was it was unbelievable it was an unbelievable experience and going into it as young as i did mm-hmm. um man i mean you're all showering together and shit like it was just yeah. a huge it was just culture shock well, and, and I think that's, yeah, I mean, it's like the fastest way to grow up. Absolutely. Doing something like that. I mean, real quick. I mean, it sounds like you probably did a little more growing up than I did, but. It's, it it's, and I don't, I don't know. I, I really don't. Um, I still make dumbass mistakes. Everybody does. And it's. Well, I mean, that's life though. Yeah. I and think. I'm, I'm just, I think I'm just a lot harder on myself than other people. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm still, I mean, I came home Thursday, so. I see, yeah, when you sent me that message, like, yeah, I got home last night. I'm like, yeah. Dude, that was, that's pretty freaking quick. I signed my, my separation paperwork, and Mary and I got in the car and took off. Like, we were going. We hopped in my truck. My truck was already packed up. We stayed in a Straight hotel on base, signed my paperwork at 730 in the morning. We were out the door. Yeah. So, we, um, yeah, I don't know, man. It was It was super quick, and now. I'm still trying to adapt, and yeah. I'm going to, like, some of the local bars around here. Like, I went to the Sentimental Lady. I love that place, dude. <laughs> so I went there, and, like, I'm running into people that, like, I went to school with and stuff. Dude, that's the worst. And it's it's weird, man. Like, it made this whole transition, like, so uncomfortable. Well, I mean, for, yeah, I mean, it's, for one, it's people you haven't seen in a long time. Um, a lot of instances, it's, it, at least in my experience, it's always people I never want to see again are the ones that I run into. And I haven't ran into that yet. Yeah. That's why I'm going to avoid Muskmoot Bay and all that. And, oh, don't worry, you know, it's coming. Wrapped off in Madison. stupid awkward. Yeah. But I mean, at least the nice part is, uh, and I 
I personally take pride in, in saying something like this, and I'm sure you will too. Like you can look at some of those people, most of those people normally, and yep. um, look at what you've done, and look at things that, like that they've done, and it's like, well, I mean, because I can at least respect somebody if they've been out doing something with yep. their life and they're a positive impact to someone else's life. I mean, good for them. If you're yep. a gigantic asshole to me, I'm just never going to talk to you again. But um, I don't know. It just it, if you've done something positive, you're doing you're positively impacting somebody's life, doing something meaningful, or you know, changing the world for a better purpose. Absolutely. Like, that's that's you know, I mean that that's the cool part. And because um, I, I mean, I run into those people all the time, and I'm like, what are you fucking doing? Yeah, and I mean, I another thing that I got out of the Marine Corps is like I never after a while like I totally like stopped um you know, the whole comparison game that people nowadays play, you know, the whole like looking at someone and I'm like, "Ah, fuck, dude, like you suck." You know, like I can't do that in my head yeah. until someone like opens their mouth and starts talking See, and then those Marine Corps kind of gears start turning and I'm really observant of what they're talking about and I'm like dude I don't like you like get the fuck away from yeah. me and that's, that's honestly and that's you're gonna have to hold on to that and that's and that's a thing that like I I hold on to but at the same time I can't really bring it here because I could in my shop if someone's saying some shit that I didn't like yeah. I'd be like get get the fuck away from me well and that's I like, mean civilian world corporate world whatever I mean you just you can't you can't do yeah, that. You can't do it. And it's No. And like if I didn't like you, like if you came into my shop and I straight up like if you were from another unit and you came over <laughs> to borrow a tool and like it, I don't like you could look like shit. Like there you could just have one boot untied and I just did not fucking like you. Like that was just my mentality at work was something that I left behind me and I'll never bring back because it unless I step into that shop again and yeah. I'm wearing those same clothes and with those same people, I'll never have that again. That was something no, that I had no. in that shop that um, I was known for, and I had a I had a beautiful ability to flip a switch <laughs> and leave it behind me, and I left it behind me. Yeah. Um. But now I, it's like I'm I'm going around, and it's like it's still lingering. You and know, like it's and know, it's so weird. And, and honestly, that's not even a, necessarily like a bad thing. You know, honestly, um, I think there's certain people. Uh, some of us are just built a different way. You see the world one way, you know, and then if people don't fit into that, it's like, well, what the fuck are you doing? I mean, because I have, um, you know, I have friends now where it's, you know, whatever financial position or dumbass life decisions or honestly, more often than not, it's the, uh, I don't want to say inability to do work, but just the lack of motivation to yeah. better their, their position or better themselves. And that's a huge, that's a huge thing right now, too, is a lack of motivation with COVID and unemployment. Oh, and here in Michigan, it's uh, it's bad. Well, uh, so Lexi and I uh, went up to Traverse City for a weekend just to get away because I mean I'm working from home and yeah, so you need to get the hell out of these four walls, you know. Yep. Um, everywhere's got help wanted signs. Everywhere. Everywhere we went, with the exception of one like shithole bar up there, which was actually pretty fun. Um, everywhere has a wait. Um, nobody has enough help. Uh, yeah. Even if you didn't wait to get seated at a restaurant or something, your food still took. 35 minutes to get to you because there's just they're understand you know uh the one place we we pulled up into and i hey cool the lot's half empty like we should have no problem getting in here walk in two and a half hour wait yeah because they were they were um they were still running at covid uh uh protocols right not because they needed to have everything segregated anymore but because they did not have the staff yep to 
service so the they entire still, they're restaurant. still separating shit and well and that's i think you know and you're starting to see it more in the media now i i just i don't understand that i mean me personally um being without work would drive me nuts i mean there's days when i i mean everyone's got those days you just want to sit around and do nothing but yep. like I don't know how long I could go sitting around doing nothing. And I have, I had people they got a hold of me, and during April, May, you know, right after lockdown set in, right, that were pissed that they still had to go to work. They were upset that they uh, that the company that they worked for didn't have the financial capability to uh, just send everybody home until this was all blown over. I'm on day six, I think. Yeah, seven. I'm on day yeah. seven. I got on the Marine Corps seven days ago. And I woke up this morning, and I was like, what the fuck? What, what am I doing today? Dude, like, let's, like, I'm looking at my dog, like, let's go run. Let's go do something. Do something. Like, let's, I need you to get the energy dude, my, out of me My now. wife hates that about me, because I'm like, we'll, like, we'll get to our weekends, you know? I'm like, what are we doing today? Yep. And she's perfectly content to not do, you know, anything for all. She wants to relax yeah. for the weekend. Yeah, know? just not do anything. I'm but you like, work from home. Let's, let's do something. Let's go. You want to go to the bookstore? Let's go. You want to go to the mall? You want to yep. go. I don't care. Where do you want to go? Let's, let's, do, let's something. Go do something. I struggled with that a lot. Um which is working from home, especially when everything was shut down. Yeah. We went for walks every single night. Yep. Like, I just found an excuse to get out and do something. I think, um, no, I think people built like that. It's just, it's it's part of who you are. I right? can't, and I can't be like that, it's man, with the. Probably why you found success in the ways that you did. Yeah. You know, it's just, uh, it, part of it's a work ethic thing, part of it's a personality thing. Honestly, I, I equate a lot of it to, uh, to upbringing. Yeah. You know, I, like, absolutely. My old man to this day, like, I don't think he'll ever retire. And he started no, I me. Mind, same way. <laughs> I was. I started out before the Marine Corps. I worked um, for a hot rod shop right over here. Uh, That's Miter Customs is what it was called. Mm-hmm. Super badass place. And it was all like GM retirees who worked on hot rods, man. And it was like, it was the coolest. I was 15. Didn't know shit 14, about nothing. Yeah. No, I swept the floors. I just wanted to be there. Right. And, you know, I wanted, you know, and they didn't. I don't think a lot of the old guys knew how young I was. Um, so like I was smoking cigarettes and dupes and shit in the back with them and like it was fun and the place was owned by like partially owned by the police department or something I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about this I don't give a shit I don't work for the police department there were projects across the street and they used to stake out the projects from this building so like I'd be getting oh, really? stoned behind this building and like there would be like SWAT snipers like going up on the roof and shit like it was yeah it was fucking bananas that's crazy so super cool um, and then I went and worked for my uncle um who owned a, he was, I was a spline grinder, so he owned a place, uh, out in the whole industrial, out in Sterling Heights. Sure. Um, I don't remember where anything's at anymore. So I worked <laughs> out there and, uh, that sucked really bad. I started like churning lathe chips and cleaning the bathrooms. And like, I only had to clean the bathroom after he took like the nastiest shit ever. So then <laughs> I was like, dude, this is the worst. What am I going to do? So then I'm like living off like money that I made from like selling dime bags. And I'm like, this blows. Yeah. Like I can't even, I can barely afford gas, let alone, you know, my own beer, weed or whatever. Dude, that's really, I mean, when you have that realization, when you're like, I need to do more, I need to make more money. I yeah. need to like, cause I you just you want your quality of life to be yeah. better than. Well, and like I had a buddy who, um, worked as a boat mechanic for one of our other friends dads um and he was doing okay you know yeah. like he bought himself a truck and like always had money like always he was hustling oh, yeah. dude if you're in a trade and you you know yeah. something you're you're always gonna have work and he started there when we were in like the ninth grade so like he always had money so then probably 10th grade i think and so that was kind of my motivation and it kind of played weird because he still lived with his parents but still he worked and always had money, and then I hated being at my parents' house, 
Uh, well, it makes it easier if you're working so much you're never home. Right. You're basically in a place to sleep and that's it. That's it. That's all it was. Was he would come home, smoke a J and go to sleep. Like that's that was his thing, and then you get up and go to work. Yeah, the last two years I was at my parents' place, uh when I was like twenty three, twenty four. That was pretty much it. I worked and uh, I mean I was home a little bit more when I was studying for like some exams for licenses that I had to get for work at the time. But uh no it's I mean just I, the roof over it your just, head. Yeah, it, it really was and um, but even that, I mean, that only goes for so long. I mean, yep. We started getting, uh, I started getting some pushback about stuff I did or didn't do around the house, and say, all right, now that's my motivation to get me out of here. Like, yeah. I need to work more hours. I need to. I wound up getting a different job that paid better with more opportunities, and then I wound up leaving that job and moving up again. And uh, that was the beauty with the Marine Corps man. Was I was a kid. Um, I mean, I was health insurance wise, I would be fine. I think in the state of Michigan, I think everywhere, it's like twenty five. You can stay in your parents' health insurance or whatever. Yep. I think that's so, national. Yeah, I think it is too. So, I like again, I have no idea because you know I was on my own health insurance at seventeen. I was going through Tricare East. So, uh, yeah, we yeah. can get into that later too. <laughs> um, so, I uh, yeah, I don't know. Like it, it motivated me seeing my buddy making money. I saw him doing his thing and always having money to, like, go get food and do whatever. Every time we went somewhere, he always had money, and I never did. I was bombing a $20, $20 bill off my old man, and I had to be able Dad, to afford weed, to gas, and food. Friends. Yeah, like, come yeah. on, you know? So, and I was hanging out on Woodward every weekend, so it got expensive. And oh, yeah. uh, so I was like, dude, I, I need to leave. I need to figure something out. And I woke up. It was literally a commercial. So, like, I had all that stuff with, like, my family in the back of my head, and I woke up one morning, and there was a Marine Corps commercial, and I was like... There we go. Like, yeah. let's let's go do this. I was like the and I was terrified. The like, light bulb that went on that was like, hey, maybe this is, um, maybe this is the, the, the what am I gonna do? Yeah. Like the answer to that and question. My I've been my uncle for. got blown up in Afghanistan in like two thousand, like late two thousand eight, I think, um, Helmand Province. Mm-hmm. Um, that was a really bad spot in like the mid two thousands, early into mid two thousands. Um, he got blown up in a Humvee. Uh, everyone in the Humvee. This is your your uncle? Yeah, so my aunt, mar- he married into the family. Okay. So my aunt married him. He was a Philadelphia cop for a while. He's fantastic. So he dude. was a Philadelphia cop before or nope, after? after? Okay, so, so he... Hold on, let me get this straight. So your uncle then, so he was in the service. He had an encounter with an IED. Yep. And then... Was was that the reason? I guess that he, was that why he got out. Was he medically retired um, and so, then got into law enforcement? Or yeah, I don't really know the whole story with that. So I was really young, um, so it was kind of a, I guess a brutal thing. He didn't. He doesn't talk about it. Okay, yeah. so it's one of those things where like if you have a family member who saw some shit and doesn't talk about it, you know they saw some shit. Yeah, um, that's kind of his gig. We had uh, there was a, we had a teacher like that. Did you go to South? Yeah. Your middle school. Yeah. So, um, what was his name? It was one of our socialized teacher I had who, um, he was in Vietnam and somebody asked, like found that out and then like wanted to try asking questions about it. And he, he wasn't like mean, but, but he got stern about it. Like he just actually, you know what? It might've been high school. Now that I'm thinking about it, it might've been a high school teacher. It was not, uh, Mr. Briggs. No. Um, but he just explained there's there's things I don't talk about yep. from when I was in the service. I think he might have been a, a corpsman yeah. or a medic. Um, Horrible position to think, be in back then. Yeah, and I think that's why he doesn't talk about it. Yeah. Because um, I remember my mom helped out as like a substitute or an aide or something one day, and, and like she 
you know, told me like she had a similar experience where somebody again found out and wanted and tried to, you know, just ask yep. dumb kid questions about it. Like because kids are naive, die. they it's, don't they don't give a shit. They have no grasp on it. Well, they just and I say I think as time goes on, as a culture, we're kind of losing that sensitivity to the reality of the situation. Absolutely, it's yeah, it's there's a lot of media steers towards other shit, yeah. like. I mean, uh, I don't, I don't know. I don't really even want to. That's a whole other wormhole. Um, but yeah, so my uncle, um, he got hurt, mm-hmm. came home, and uh, he suffered from PTSD and things. A lot of all those issues that go along with getting hurt and PTSD is broad through the Marine Corps. It doesn't matter if you've been to combat or not. Yeah. Um, it's just certain instances um, affect people differently. Right. Um, and it's it's a huge deal. We lose more Marines, more just service members in general in the in the United States in garrison mm-hmm. than overseas right now. Really? Due to mental health. So certain things that happen. I'm wearing the bracelet right now. Mm-hmm. Friend, she killed her. So she committed suicide. Uh, um, she came home from Japan and uh, took her own life. She was 20 years old. So that's that's and that's a common that's a common thing in the Marine Corps specifically the really? Marine Corps there's I didn't realize that it's like there's a hex on it and um, it's horrible so that was that was always a big struggle and then you know I I think back now on who my uncle was before he joined the police force and stuff mm-hmm. um, it's like he was a huge inspiration to me because like he was going through all of that and knew he had to support. You know his family, my yeah. aunt, the daughter that they had, and he buckled down and became a Philadelphia police officer. He was he was a ghetto street cop, and uh, he brought that he brought that Marine Corps mentality right back out of him. And he had a couple of crazy crazy instances, you know. Um, so is he still in law enforcement? Uh, no. So I guess they just moved on to Florida. I don't know. I don't really talk to them anymore. It got really weird between all of us when I joined the Marine Corps. Um, okay. He didn't really support it, I don't think. Like, it freaked well, him out. He had yeah, the whole I conversation his, with me of why you're doing that. I'm sure that. his experience is probably, um, jaded's not the right word, but... He, we had a long, yeah. it, that's definitely what it is. We had a long talk about oh, it, because okay. I went to his house, or my, he was living with my grandparents. They had a big house, uh, in Philadelphia, and it was like Thanksgiving, like a month yeah. before I joined the Marine, like before I signed up. And I was wearing a Marine Corps hoodie. You know, everybody going to college wears their college hoodie. You yeah. know, wherever they're yeah, going. Wherever you're going to and school, I'm walking that's... around my Marine Corps hoodie because, like, that's what I'm doing. I had right. my mindset. And when a kid sets their mind on something, you're not going to change it. Yeah. You're not. There's nothing There's nothing in the world that could alter that. And um, that's, that's exactly what it was. And I remember going home for Thanksgiving and uh, sitting in my grandparents' living room. And he walked downstairs, and he was like, what the fuck are you wearing? Like, he got, like, yeah, like, he got strict with me about it. And uh, I was, like, super embarrassed. Like, right off the bat, like, I felt like... Like he did something wrong. Well, I felt like I I didn't earn the right to wear that. And, like, in hindsight, I mean, anybody can wear anything. It's America. you know. sure. But, but, you know, at the same time, if I saw some guy wearing a Marine Corps hoodie at the bar, I'd be like, oh, are you a Marine? And if they said no, I'd be like, sure your kid a marine like what's you why are you <laughs> why wearing, are you wearing the shirt right, like I'm, I'm thanks for the support but like what do you wh- yeah. what's your stand on all of this what do you know about it or are you just mm-hmm. repping it you know and uh i don't think there's anything like wrong with that but i do no, i was, do think you're starting to see 
too much of this like stolen valor stuff. I mean, like, and that I've I've only ran into that instance one time. Oh, you've actually. Uh, yeah, so I okay. was on my way to Virginia Beach um, to visit another one of my buddies that I went to high school with. He's a service member up in uh, uh, Norfolk, Virginia. Okay. Um, he's on a destroyer. The guy I was talking about earlier who yeah, was yeah. over there in Iran and stuff. So my old man would bring his bike down every once in a while, and it kind of helped me cope with certain things that were going on. Sure. We would go sure. and do motorcycle trips. He bought a, a new bike and a trailer, and I had my bike, and we would go and do our shit. So we were on our way up there, and uh, there was a guy, and we were kind of in a rougher area in North Carolina. North Carolina's got some really weird pockets. Um, and we were at this, like, little podunk gas station. And this guy was sitting on a moped, drinking a 40 out of a paper bag <laughs> in, like, full army, like, IBUs, like, old shit. Like, the ugly digital. Yeah. But he was, like, full top and bottom, like, in July, with, like, Tim's untied and, like, the hat, like, I was like, what the, f-? like, I was standing there what and, like, looking at? I'm, yeah, and I'm just standing there and, I'm like, I was shaking a little bit, you know, like, it kind of pissed me off. And I'd been around a little bit, you know, I've been around long enough to where, like, I've had friends get hurt, I've had friends die. Yeah. That pisses me off. Right. I don't like that. And I didn't understand that until I was put into the situation. And, uh. Context is everything. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And my old man, he was like. Dude, you know, he was trying to, like, hey, don't do not Just do that. let it go. Leave, Leave it. it. Yeah, yeah, and I couldn't. I was shaking, like, as if, like, your dog sees another dog, and, like, they just they can't go. handle it. Gotta they go. just have yeah. to go. Yeah. And I went over there, and I lost my shit on him. Like, I tried to keep my cool, and the guy, like, sucked his gums at me, got an attitude, and I jumped on his shit. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, I, I pretty much, I told him, I was like, you know, you're lucky. I don't I don't leave you riding home in your underwear on your moped. You know, you fucking asshole. You know, I have friends who've died in that shit. No, that's... You know, and it, that, that really, really bothers me. And I will say, just because we talked about it earlier with the, the whole social media community and 2A and, and some of these former service people shitting on those of us that are trying to do some, some of the things that they maybe sh- think we shouldn't, you know. Yeah. Um, but I I do hate that we're... I mean, I'm happy that the the internet and social media provides a way to out these people. Yep. I am 110% kind of embarrassed, upset, um, angry that you see so many dudes coming out now that are, um, they work at training companies, right? Training people to be shooters and stuff, which, I mean, there's no law anywhere that says you have to be former military or even former law enforcement to teach shooting. No. I mean, look at the top shooters in the world competitively, and some of them are former military, some of them aren't. You don't have to lie to do that, but people have decided that that's that's the way they want to handle their business is to, you know, um, yeah, I was a Green Beret or I was a Army Ranger. Right, like, they get nervous, they panic, and then yeah. they start spouting shit out. And, I mean, this guy didn't necessarily even do that. Like, he didn't try and, like, lie and say he was something. It wasn't, like, a full-blown, like, stolen valor situation. But yeah. when it comes down to, like, if I saw somebody in, you know, uh, Marpat, like Marine Corps, like no shit, Marine Corps Marpat came. He's like, that I know for a fact, Marine Corps specifically, I cannot leave an installation and go anywhere. Like, I was going from work way. to home in my uniform. I was not going, even in coveralls, I wasn't going into a, you're not stopping for gas, you're not doing any of that shit. Mm-hmm. You can't. If somebody sees you stopping in any utilities, anything, Sure. Going to you're gonna get your ass. You're dead. You're dead fucking meat. 
So well, I didn't even, and I don't even know what happened because I never even risked it. I didn't. Yeah. It scared. It was a fear inflicted. Well, I mean, and there's a difference, right, between somebody like because we went um sam and i did some land navigation uh up in atlanta michigan yeah. uh like april so he wore stuff he had from the air force you know some of the digital camo and stuff and i think more than just wanting to wear it it was just it's durable clothing it, well stuff they he didn't can. give a shit about anymore but then yeah um, he had gear that was cold weather stuff because it, it was that time of the year in northern michigan where like we got up and it was like 51 degrees outside and then once the sun came up and things warmed up a bit, it was like high 60s, low 70s. Um, you know, there's a difference between those people that just decide they're going to, for whatever reason, go to the surplus store and buy camouflage. It's, and they the fact that the surplus it, stores can even sell it. I brought it up to the one over here on Gratiot at one point. I actually know the family that owns that store. They're actually very nice yeah, people. But they're, they're super awesome people. Yeah. And I brought it up to them because I saw that, and I don't know how they acquired it or whatever, but they had like Marine Corps, like Marpat. And it's like, I don't know, I questioned it, like... How'd you get it? How did you get it? Why are you distributing it? That's not... Yeah. I don't feel like that's something... And it's not... I mean, I don't know. Nobody's fucking above anybody. Who gives a shit what you wear? But I don't know. It's like... It's just weird, like, knowing the, knowing what weird. you know. Right. And I mean, it's weird. Like, for example, Dakota Meyer, we were talking about him earlier. People have been bashing him. I don't know if you've really read into his story. Mm-hmm. Um but he beat a dude to death with his bare hands for his own life. Like, because his friend literally died standing right next to him. Yeah. Went in and grabbed a rock and had to beat this dude's head in. And he had to he had to deal with the fact that he looked into that guy's eyes when he took that final blow. Right. He was looking into that dude's eyes. No, and I... And there was... And, and it came down to... You're from two different countries, Right. Mm-hmm. Say you and I, you're from Afghanistan, I'm from here, right? And we're both fighting for something that we both believe, believe in. in right. But at the end of the day, we're both human beings, and neither of us in our own minds are wrong. No, no, and I and it's and that's a, I don't I don't for an instance try to an instant try to take anything away from what he's been through or what he's done. All I I'm just, saying is like he he wore that shit. Right, I look at these right. what we call the Marine Corps fearless leaders. You look at Dakota Meyer, Kyle Carpenter. You know, yep. these big names for our generation now mm-hmm. that have done these amazing things wearing that cloth on their back, and then you see some shithead at your local corner liquor store wearing it, you know, sitting on Trying a moped, drinking a 40 out of a paper or, bag. Yeah. I'm like, I'll beat your fucking ass. Straight I mean, up. Like, that's what even, it comes down to. You know to. what? We went downtown um, because it's not specifically limited. At least, okay, so at least in my opinion, it's not specifically limited to those kind of people. Um we went downtown for a, a Detroit Tigers game yeah. with some of my wife's coworkers and had this guy um, approach us. And this isn't like a new um, scam by any means. Uh, when I used to drum for one of the, the professional teams downtown, we yeah. used to get guys that approached us about it all the time. They used to have like little, like a dime bag size plastic baggie with a, like a flag pin in it. Uh-huh. But it was basically just like the shape of a flag with yeah. a, like really crappy like really crappy u.s flag sticker on it yeah and these guys would all swear up and down they were from the vfw and they were selling these pins for whatever they could get for them right and um, that's fucked up when me. they like they, <laughs> the guy gave it to my wife and then explained it and she goes you know i'm sorry i don't i don't have any cash on me and instead of the guy saying okay well you know thanks god bless whatever he like demanded it back and said oh i gotta get something for it and i'm like right. okay well you're clearly 
not with the VFW. I mean, I've never once seen a, a government employee or a military member or serviceman, whatever, vernacular, you know, put behind it, right. out promoting things like that or collecting funds for a, a charitable cause or a good cause or any of that stuff and not be in, I mean, some kind of uniform or some something it says where they served or like a veteran's, I mean, anything, right? right. This guy's got like a 50 cent t-shirt on and a... 50 Cent is in the wrapper, not as in the quality of the shirts. Yeah. <laughs> um, and, like, some super baggy-ass jeans and stuff. And I'm like, the, man, this shit ain't right. And then he just jumps to the next uh, couple people. Yeah. To, and, you know, and I, that, I mean, and again, I've never served. Yeah. But I think it's incredibly disrespectful. And, I mean, just, dude, if you're out there begging for money, you'd probably have better luck begging for money than you would trying to sell people on this, I'm a vet raising money for the VFW. Right. Like, fuck you. Like, put out like this that, huge story. Yeah. I mean, that's... people are dumb. That's and I don't know. I mean, I remember, I remember being in high school and uh, we used to run into guys that you know would be begging for money and stuff. And like they were in Detroit, they're aggressive about it, man. Like they're oh, yeah. mean as shit. And oh, uh, yeah. when we were shithead kids, we used to make them do push-ups for money because we were all working out all the time. We'd be doing push-ups, and I'd be like, "Hey, a dollar push-up," you know. But with those guys, it's like I'm not even gonna give them the time of day. Like no, if you're, I just if you're repping like the VFW man, like I don't know if you've ever been into a VFW. I'm um, not. It is probably. Have you ever been to a veteran hospital? No. Okay, so either of those, if you go to a VFW, I'll take you to one. I don't give a shit. We'll go to the VFW. It is one of the most humbling experiences. Oh, I have no doubt. Like I like those guys would be more worthy. To be on this podcast than me, going to the well, I, I remember the the quality of their character. It's I think would just be and they're battle hardened man. You know yeah. a lot of those guys going to the VFW hall. I won a, a writing contest when I was in like the ninth grade. Yeah, I won this writing contest, and if you won the writing contest, you had to write a letter to a veteran, and basically it came down to. If your if one of your letters was one of the best, however it came down, so I think it was a hat pull. Yeah. You just got selected. You know, it was a crapshoot. You get selected, you go to the VFW hall, and it was Mr. Briggs, who was also a Marine. Yep. Um, and I ended up being one of those kids, and I guess that didn't even think about it. That actually went to it into it as well, because mm-hmm. um, I remember going there, and um, this kind of just gave me a different recollection, not a recollection, but just a different viewpoint on what we have because i went there and if you go to the veteran hospital and you're there for dude you could walk in there and it'll humble you you walk through those front doors and you'll feel a different way it makes the hair on the back of your neck stand up and you walk in there and um i don't even remember the layout of the i'm going there tomorrow but i don't even remember the layout of the detroit veteran hospital i gotta go there tomorrow take some paperwork and it's gonna screw me up walking in there it screwed me up when i was a kid because I remember sitting down with some Vietnam vet, and as a kid, it's just some crazy old man. You know, you don't know the difference. Yeah, you don't. Know and he how starts to... he starts talking about you know, walking through you know tunnels as big as I was, you know, as a grown ass man. Yeah, I, you know, talking about walk through tunnels as big as a fourteen year old kid or thirteen year old kid, and uh, just having some dude jump out and start swinging at you with a knife, you know, yeah. and dropping gas in there and just all the crazy shit and. Like, the Vietnam stories were really getting to me, you know? Um, and I was like, man, that's crazy. And I remember we were walking to a different section, and we are walking through, like, kind of hospital-ish hallways. Like, there were rooms for people, and 
we were poking our heads in and just, you know, it was kids. We were just going in there to say hi to people, you right. know. Right. And super, yeah, I picked quite the interesting uh, room. It was a lady who lost her legs in Iraq. And wow. uh, she couldn't talk. Her face was all burned up. Um, and I walked in there, and she was on a breathing tube. And I was like, holy That's shit. That's got to be, you know, those moments, things like that, I, I truly believe. I mean, under regardless of circumstance or who it is, um, those are things you don't forget. No. You know, I had a, like I had an uncle who died of cancer, and yeah. I, I hadn't seen him. I went, I mean, honestly, I feel like an asshole. I was at the hospital every night for, like, for my mom. It was yep. her brother dying, and I was there every night for, like, two or three weeks doing homework, um, sitting there with her. Uh, you know, whenever I wasn't working or doing whatever I had to do, I'd take my laptop, do homework, just just be there because she was going to be there. And I finally, at the very end, you know, I'd go in to say goodbye or whatever. And it's, right. it's, it's, it's a kind of thing that you never get – you can never prepare for. My whole thing was, like – with my mind set on joining the service um, before I had done it, that whole, like, if I could talk to that teacher, just a high school teacher who made an impact, you know, yeah. if I could talk to him and thank him just for giving me that experience, because I mean, my Riggs whole is thought... still hanging around the area. You could still... He just retired. Yeah, I need to reach out to him, because that experience was unbelievable because my whole thought process after that was and even as a kid that's what blows my mind is i was so young you know like i was way younger than i am now and it's like i want to be with people like these ones that are here that are still fighting for their lives currently send me to wherever the fuck they are and let me be with them and do the shit that they do and you know that's that's who keeps this country safe is what right. it is is these people who are now fighting for their lives getting hurt and now that 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 runs through me you know like crazy where i i i i, I, I hate that i got out i really do i hate it um it, it went into politics and a lot of other things as to why i got out i hurt my shoulder it was a whole bunch of shit yeah i mean um i was done and it 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 drives me nuts because like I wish I still could have um done more. Yes. I and yeah. and I think that it doesn't I don't think it matters how much you do. You still you still feel like you could have done more. Um you know, and and it's crazy. I mean, I see people now in the United States who fly the flag upside down. I I honestly I can't abide that. I hate that. I went I went you to know my, what's, you know what's worse is when you point that kind of thing out. Yep. And then you have a friend point out to you that, well, the America's in that's distress. legal. Right. You can burn the flag. It's protected. Well, in America's and in I, distress and all that other shit, it's a sign of distress. Absolutely not. I had a family member who was doing it who I called out last time. Well, not last time, but the time before. When I was on leave, I was over there. Um, and It is. Right? I sat I mean, there and I waited. the flag yeah, upside sitting, down, it's a distress signal. I was sitting there with said family member. Yep. And the other family member was still at work. Um, I assume this had to do with the previous president. Yep, and yeah. I was well. No, it was it was the transition period uh, between two presidents. Okay, and we came to the one that we have now. And this said family member felt that America was in distress with everything going on, oh. and I had to sit down and I was very cordial about it. Um, I sat there and I waited, and I had a couple beers in me, so 
I, little, I, little I was yeah yeah <laughs> <laughs> I was I was kind of a little heated you know and um, I, you know I brought it up and I said uh, you know to said family member I said you know when they supported you know me and my boys they had a Marine Corps flag flying in the front of their house mm-hmm. with a American flag flying upside down next to it and I said you know um, that's you know the way I look at it and the way I kind of explain it is you know that's America's cloth. Yeah, that is our. That's the cloth of our nation. Um, first of all, I dare you to go to uh, any other country and do um, something that's like socialist that. or communist, any of the above, and oh, yeah. go and do some shit like that. They'll they'll kill you in front of everybody, guaranteed. Yeah. And I just think I think there's better ways to make your point than than to uh, um, dishonor or disgrace the flag. I mean, because yep. it's symbolic, right? And um, it's not even symbolic. It's the fact I don't even I, like symbolism is such an understatement to me. With that, um, well, I, until yeah, you a, until you see a friend carried in on a casket with that with that flag with that draped flag over draped over it, over it right. um, it's 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 the most different. un yeah. it, it it takes your soul out of your body. It is the worst feeling I've ever experienced in my life. Um, and then to see a family member fly it upside down on the front of their house like Over ran through me like fire as, as politics right you know? i mean which and, and it's so ironic to me because the politicians are who are it's a politicians war that we're fighting that these kids are dying yeah. for and then the american citizens are going to base their their beliefs and what they think off of that it's unbelievable to me it's insane um it's 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 kids it's it's kids fighting is mm-hmm. all it is. It's a bunch of kids from different countries who are all super impressionable, um, right. who believe what they're taught, and and that's it. And they're, they're like I said earlier, we're two different people and, fighting a, a you know and, the same and getting war. To the point we were talking about earlier, where we see the the change in the generations, I think you're really hitting on it. Is you know with the growing the ever growing exposure right to media outlets yep. because everyone i mean everyone's got a phone in front of them or yep. a screen you know not non-stop right um kids are, they're, they're impressionable yep. and uh the messaging they're getting from mainstream media the messaging they're getting from the government is putting out a certain message and i think um you know i my my personal beliefs i think we were better off with the previous administration than we are right now uh but i think that that exposure to to media to certain ideas to certain ways of thinking um is really what's pushing this change uh this this softness that we're starting to see with these kids and because even i mean i could tell you i mean honestly i we met when i was teaching high school marketing band and i can tell you that one of the one of the major contributing factors to me getting away from that something i love doing was simply just a change to the, the students, yeah. um, you know, because of pressure from, you know, parents and the kids themselves and stuff. Uh, you, oh, we can't run anymore. We can't do this anymore. We can't do that anymore. I'm not going to tolerate this anymore. You can't talk to me that way. And yep. it's not like we were ever any blatantly disrespectful, but you're a coach, right? I mean, if, if anybody listening to this can think back to successes that they had in their life, whether it's the military, whether it's sports, whether it's at work. At some point, somebody came down on you for something. Yep. That was that negative reinforcement (laughs) that lets you know, hey, you're fucking up. Yep. Change what you're doing. Um, And it's not personal. That's And honestly, and I think that's the biggest thing that um, 
the, the kids this, these days or, or people, people in general, not even just kids, people in general, you understand that um, criticism is not necessarily always personal. It's constructive. It, it, it very often can be constructive or Absolutely. is constructive. And I think that, you know, not realizing that, um, I think that people take things way too seriously um, when they don't necessarily need to and they put the weight in the wrong uh, on the wrong issues. And it's because of the media. Yeah. You know? I mean, I saw, like... I've seen, you know, on social media, social media drives me bananas. I hate it. I absolutely hate it. It's great for a lot of things. It's terrible for a lot more. The memes crack me up well, because yeah, I, mean, I see all these. enjoy some of that, but. The Marine Corps memes drive me fucking bananas. I laugh so hard. I laugh at them so hard because a lot of the, the military memes in general are just so accurate. And then there's other ones that are just stupid. Like the shit that I saw on Facebook, I got rid of my Facebook. I hated it. Um. You know, it was super controlled in the in the government. Working for the government, don't have social media. If anyone's listening and they want to join the government, yeah, join the military. Do join the government. not just get away. Just from government it. general. Do not just get away from military um, the social media in general because it's everything is fed off of social media, man. It's um, it doesn't matter who's in office, in my opinion. At this point, it doesn't. No, I think we're at a point as a culture and a country that we. We've already done this to ourselves. We're exactly we're so immersed in the technology. Yep. Because it's it's in corporate America too. We yep. have we agree to certain things when we start at, at companies that we're not going to post this, 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 or this, because it can be construed as the ex- explicit view of whatever yep. company you're you're seen as like a representative. Well, absolutely. Is the, know, that, that's how it went with the when I was in the Marine Corps. You know, it was, um, you know, you are a direct representative. If I got went and got a DUI right now, I'm still technically on leave. Yeah. You know, my terminal leave. If I went and got a DUI, it would hit the blotter back there. Um, you know, it would. I would be yeah. notified by my staff saying, "Hey, guess what? I know you got a DUI." <laughs> um, you know, and I'm screwed. But if I went and got a DUI and killed a kid, it's not going to be Jake killed a kid. It's going to be United States Marine, Marine. killed a kid right. under the influence of alcohol. And that goes with everything. Um, United States Marine posted this. Um, I remember all kinds of shit that people were saying on social media that was getting put into context that was just unbelievable. Unbelievable. Um, we had a whole thing with, uh, God, I can't even think of the name of it now. Um we had a bunch of different social media outlets through, well, the outlet, it was within the outlets. It was different uh, groups and stuff. Sure. Uh, Terminal Ants. Um, there were a bunch of different ones. And I can't remember the name of this one now, but um, it ended up being like they were trafficking photos of girls through it. And that's oh, where, God. yeah, like it was bad. And like it was female service members where their pictures were being sent around through the social media forum and uh, became this huge deal. Um, so we all ended up having to sign what's called the page 11 saying you're not con- going to condone to that. And if you did, like you were. You're subject to penalty. Oh, yeah. 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 <laughs> to say the least. Yeah. Right. Absolutely. Um, and it's actually funny because one of the girls that was involved with that ended up starting an OnlyFans. So, yeah. Oh, really? Yep. And it, it burned a lot of dudes. Yeah, the whole deal. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's it's all politics, man, is what it comes down to. You know, it's and it's crazy, and that's that's kind of why I was ready to be back out in the real world. I was, I was overwhelmed with all this 
extra ball. I literally joined the Marine Corps to just do hard ass shit with hard ass people and be a hard ass. That's what yeah. everyone joins the Marine Corps to do. For different life experience. Right. I didn't. I. I don't know, man. And it it came down to so much more than that. And you yeah. go to boot camp and you start seeing like we had a kid named we called him Quasimodo. <laughs> Like, he was, like, some hunchback, like, yeah. you know, in boot camp. And I'm like, what the, f- is this the fucking, is this the Boy Scouts? Like, what's going on? The kid made it. And he was yeah. pissing on himself and shit in the morning. Like, it was not, it was weird. Did he you make know? it through? Yeah, he made it through. He made it through. Yeah, he had a really bad time, but he made it He made it through. The most perseverance I think I've ever seen in a human, like, some Saving Private Ryan shit. Yeah. Like, this kid was, like... So tough. And he, I mean, he just got annihilated. And I did too. I was a smaller kid when I went through. Um, I remember when I met you, you were... I was not a big kid at all. You were not... um, And... No. Not what I would call uh, muscular. No. (laughs) I was like 128 pounds when I joined the Marine Corps. I looked like a... um, you know, like a SpongeBob, like one of those little fish characters. You know, just a little guy. Meet me, you know. Right. And uh, I showed up to boot camp and... So I, the Marine Corps demographics are crazy. Like, it's nuts. It's every, from everywhere. So you can nationalize into the United States if you join the military. Right, and you right, get through. Right. So yep. we had kids from uh, Guyana. We had twins in my squad, or my platoon from Guyana. And they kept them together? Yeah. Uh, they were in two different platoons, but they were within the same company. Okay. So they were both Echo Company, but one was... 2065 with me and then the other one was like follow series 2069 or whatever so they were very much separated but at the same time they're graduating together they were going to walk across the parade deck together with their for their families and stuff wow which was fantastic i think we had really cool we had like seven or eight from like jamaica guyana um all over the place sure um we had a couple guys from africa which was like super cool you know um but it was very diversified, man. And uh, see, that's honestly, I think, and keeping in mind, my family's all immigrants. Yeah, uh, my mother's side of the family immigrated legally from Mexico. They came here as, and I mean, make make all the jokes you want. <laughs> We're Mexicans that came to this country and picked fruit and vegetables, and um, then wound up building a life for themselves. Were that's very awesome. successful uh, doing restaurants, things like that. I don't have a problem if you want to come to this country, you know, like legally. Um, oh, no, absolutely I think it's not. A huge that's what, that's issue the beauty right of this country. Exactly. The United and, States of America. And if you want to you want to join, you want to have what we have here, most of us would say, I'm happy to have you. Yep. As long as you can contribute. You want to come in through the military? You want to serve my country? You're not even from my country, but you want to be here? By all means. And that's the beauty of it is you can come from anywhere and you can come live here legally. Yeah. If you do the process... And you've got crazy-ass kids, black, white, Asian, whatever it is, Mexican, whatever, mm-hmm. who come over here, and they'll fight for you. Yeah. That's that's the beauty of it. They want, is, they want badly enough to be part, to have what the freedoms, to have the life, that, the options, the choices. Right? These kids from Guyana, they had, there was like damn near some third-world shit out there. Oh, yeah. They were it's, showing me – they. <laughs> I remember the one – because they ended up being in the uh, separate platoons in combat training, but they swapped. So I ended up in the platoon with the other brother um, yeah. for my second series of training. 
and uh, the one kid walked up to me with this old ass Nintendo DS, like just this blown out shit. And he <laughs> was like showing me pictures of tigers that were walking through his village. And I'm like, dude, I'm from Harrison Township. I've, like, I've never seen any of that oh, shit. Oh my god, no! Like my dog's an asshole, I had but a that's really fat it. cat once. Right, <laughs> exactly. So like that was that's the beauty of the military is you meet people from everywhere. I worked with the British. Uh, was it the? It was the Royal Navy, Royal Marines. I think yep. it was Royal Marines. Yep. And they brought, like, these old-ass, like, these. they had this old-ass shit, like old-ass 46s that they were still flying. And they were flying them here to California. And so they, were, they were bringing the ocean, them there, and, like, all they did was work on them. They just, they worked their asses off. But, man, they were nuts. They were drinking and, like, lighting off fire extinguishers and bars, and, like, they were nuts. <laughs> but they were so cool. Like, they were so awesome to party with, and uh, their slang was ridiculous. Like, you just learn shit from different countries and yeah. different people, and it was – that's that's the excitement of it, is you're not – it's not just – I joined I joined the Marine Corps thinking it was uh, just rednecks. You know, I thought, I mean... This is the assumption, what you've seen on TV and movies, that it was just a bunch of hicks. Right. Well, yeah. and because they say, like, um, the best Marines come from the South, is what they say. Is right. You know, the best Marines come from Alabama and Georgia, you know, from some backwoods, you know... Farm-grown warriors, Just some yeah. calloused-ass feet, just rough-knuckled, like, just they can just bang. Like, they're yeah. ready to f- just do it, you know? And, uh, I mean, it, it is that. Don't get me wrong. Like, those dudes... I fought a guy all the time, and he's one of my best friends to this day, but we would fight constantly, and he was like a three-time, four-time state champion wrestler in Georgia, like, just corn-fed. Yeah, Corn-fed. And that's another attribute that I gained from the Marine Corps, just being able to handle myself because of being around these guys. Yeah. Um, Yeah, man, it was was absolutely, it was phenomenal experience. Um, A lot of hardships, um, but you face your hardships with your boys. You're never alone. Um, that's and that's one something thing. that you're never going to leave either. I mean, that's right. And I mean, it's what it, it kind of, yeah, you do leave it. Cause once you're out, you're out. That's it. I think one of my defining moments in life, not really defining, but some, you know what I mean? Like one of those things that stick with you. I had a buddy, I grew up down the street from his dad and I think I, I, you know, I, seventh, eighth grade didn't know any fucking better. Said, so, um, I asked him about his tattoo. I'm like, so you're an ex Marine. Yeah. And that was the first time I ever heard that there are there's no, no such like thing. No X. No. Go, Sorry? Because I'm not an X Marine. I got mine I'm right here over my heart, Marine. man. I got mine right there. And I have that chest. forever with my MOS number under it. Like yeah. it's um it's, it doesn't leave you, but at the same time, there's a huge part of it that I'm now learning that absolutely leaves. Going to a bar by myself is the most just unnerving experience in my life because I could roll into a bar and it, it's it's gangster, dude. When you're in the military, it's gangster as fuck. Like, you're rolling through there, um, you know, with 15, 20, 30 different dudes with government vans. Yeah. And you're rolling in. I mean, we went to this place called the Dogwood in El Centro, California. I think it was in El Centro. It might have been outside of it, right on the border. So it's a lot of um, MS-13. Oh, Just, yeah, not, it's, a, not a good part of town. No, but, like... We never gave a shit. You don't care about any of that. You're rolling so deep. You got somebody. Yeah, everybody and every single person in that group is willing to bang. Like right. they're they are down to. I've I've seen just the nuttiest bar fights on planet Earth in the Marine Corps. Um, 
It's it's crazy. I've seen dudes. It's probably put, safe to to bet. You know, at this point, you're probably not going to those same neighborhoods anymore, looking for. Oh, uh, I mean, at the same time, like it's I don't know. Like I mean, I've come home and hung out in Southeast Detroit, and it's you you carry yourself with a different type of confidence. I guess I don't yeah. know, and I'm not scared of shit you know like right. i just i go right. into a situation and whatever happens happens it's just a different um, level of confidence different i had a situation know. where my my dog got attacked uh it's probably about a month and a half ago my neighborhood was pretty rough where i was living mm-hmm. um every area around a military installation is usually shit pretty rough yeah. it's horrible everywhere yeah <laughs> so i was living i had a four minute commute i was right off the base and it was a lot of um, rental homes with low income. Sure. So you get a lot of drugs, you get a lot of alcohol incidents, a lot of shit going on. Um, and I was walking my dog down the street, and these people just pieces of shit. They their dogs were just horrible, like they were abused and stuff. Not and trained it was, well. It was a chow. Early. It was a chow. Some type of like Malinois. And then some other shitty little fucking dog that just came in and nipped at the end. But they started tearing my dog to shreds. My dog ended up with stitches all down the side of his face. Jesus. And that mentality kicked in where they weren't doing anything. The one owner stood there and watched and didn't do anything. And I was like, all right, here we go. Yeah. You know, now now you're going to understand, you know, who I am and where I come from and what I've, what I, you know, my standpoint on the situation. Um, I, I took the vet bill down to them. And my vet bill was like three hundred dollars or something. Theirs was like two grand. Um, Damn. Blew their dog's teeth out, broke a bunch of ribs, and it it was that Marine Corps mentality. Completely blacked, blacked out. And I picked up. I remember like seeing my dog just laying there, not moving, and my dog was all I had. Yeah. And then I saw these dogs. The yeah. one dog barked. My blood. My dog's blood went everywhere. Like he spit my dog's blood out. And I grabbed that dog by the back of its head, and, yeah, I blacked out. And then I came to, and I was carrying my dog home. And uh, I brought him in the house, laid him down, called animal control, uh, whatever, everything I needed to do, did all the proper procedures, the police department, however they worked it there. Um, And then when I took my vet bill down there, he brought his dog out. His dog had no teeth. His other dog was still in the hospital with a bunch of broken ribs. I punctured a lung, like, freaked out. And I didn't really, now I take that into consideration because that was my first experience kind of transitioning out of the Marine Corps because mm-hmm. that was a month and a half ago. I wasn't really, you know, I was transitioning out. Right. And um, I realized that I, I have that side of me and I did, you know, and that's something that kind of hangs on to you and it's it's always going to be there. And, you know, I seek help and stuff like that. You know, the VA offers some stuff. Um, not the best shit, but it works. Um, yeah, it's kind of, the military kind of gives you a, depending on where you're at and what you do, it kind of gives you a, a, some dark shit. Yeah. And that's kind of the brutal honesty of it that everyone kind of needs to understand is, um, the military has a very dark, demeaning side to it, um, that the media doesn't talk about. We don't really talk about. Yeah. Um, that, you know, kind of needs to be talked about. Yeah. Well, you're starting to, I think you, you do, you can get more information on now than you used to i don't know if if you're big on reading or not um i do um a lot of there's a lot of books on not that topic necessarily but a lot of it on on attitude and mindset um leadership and it it addresses that issue a lot of different ways i think that's 
the first thing that and it's it been I've read books from Navy SEALs, um, guys that were Green Berets, Army Rangers, and stuff. And um, it's one of the things that they all talk about is that transition, and that if you're not careful, you know, it's with t- the different ways really, that, that that things can take you, it can be um, filthy. Absolutely, you know, just because of how you're used to reacting and addressing situations, but. Um, you know, so would bottom line, would you, someone, if a kid came to you 16, 17 years old today and said, Hey, I'm thinking about joining the Marine Corps. 100%. Um, coming from where I came from, I came from a little bit of a tougher upbringing yeah. uh, from my mom's household. Um, uh, my dad helped me as much as he could, but I was pretty fucked up. Um, and I didn't really fucked up, you know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't really have, I didn't really have anywhere to go. And, uh, it yeah man absolutely it's it's a huge i've seen kids man who show up whether i mean you're just coming from just the hardest ghetto in the united states i've had kids come from south central yeah. from chicago um you know san antonio's got some bad pockets dallas has some horrible pockets houston sure um all over the place, even down in Kentucky, some really bad, like, just drug-ridden areas um, who make something of themselves, and that's the beauty of it, is if the Marine Corps doesn't give you anything, it will give you leadership ability and a sense of pride because you're going to get put in a position where you're going to be given a kid who's got some fucking issues, and you're going to humble that kid one way or another. Um, It gives you testicular fortitude. That's my favorite term. Testicular. Yeah, testicular no, fortitude good. it gives you it gives you the ability to be able to talk to someone on a um on a level that nobody's ever been able to talk to them on yeah. and explain to them a little bit more about reality and show them the darkness of reality right and um what they what they can what they're capable of because um, a lot of these kids that come from these areas they don't realize what they're capable of. They don't realize how smart they are. They don't realize how they they might realize how strong they are, depending on where they're from, sure. Sure. But like I had a I had a female Marine, she was awesome. Um I'll keep her name out of it, but she grew up in a really rough area. Um it was a tough ass trailer park in, in Kentucky. And uh she was really quiet, man, and timid. Uh real real scared when she showed up. And her dad, I think he was a Marine. He was in the service. I think he was a Marine. Mm-hmm. Uh, either way, he was a door gunner, hard as fuck, full-blown alcoholic. Um, her mom was a full-blown drug addict. And Jesus. her mom ended up getting locked up. She didn't know where she was going to go, so she joined the Marine Corps. Service. Yep, and she joined the Marine Corps, the hardest shit to me. Like, uh, where else, you know, what, what, what other place could you go where you're going to be able to figure your shit out real fast? You be know? given the opportunity to... Right. Ex- to succeed and to excel and to to figure out what you're worth and that's what the marine corps gave me is they gave me the ability to know that i didn't deploy i didn't you know i did do a lot of the shit that a lot of uh the civilian uh society populace yeah what they think that we do because there's a poster child of what they think a marine is and then there's the reality of it and the reality of it is the marine corps is um you know it, it gives you something the Marine Corps specifically, because I've never been in other, any other branch. That's sure. what I'm speaking specifically for the Marine Corps. Yeah. Um, it, it it gives you something that you can't get anywhere else. You really can't. Um, 
it's, no, it's a, that's yeah that's, that's awesome. really what it comes down to it gives you a paycheck it teaches you how to finance yourself a little bit gives you marketable skills gives you marketable skills you can get a pension out of it where else are you going to get a pension nowadays you know um, what i'm saying you can't like right you can't private sector that stuff's pretty much gone the way of the uh dodo yeah, and that's uh, it. now you get we all gotta do uh 401ks yep gotta, and the marine corps offers the blended retirement system they'll match you up to nine percent on your retirement that's pretty epic nine percent i can tell you private sector i thought my number was pretty good and it's like half that yeah it's nine percent the blended retirement system in the in the military nine percent and that just came into effect <laughs> about three years ago well and i think that's good you know because i think that you know retirement i mean obviously we all get there i think that uh helping everybody uh prepare for that better is something that i mean everybody needs to do it. it's government work whether you're talking about you know private sector i think that's but that that's actually that's a cut above you know what i mean yeah. like that's that's really um good so um yeah man thank you absolutely for, man. for sharing all this yeah um, no I, I rambled a little bit no um, you're, your this is really great good. honestly <laughs> i enjoy hearing about it i know we yeah. haven't gotten a chance to really sit down and talk and um no this is this is awesome yeah. I, I appreciate you taking the time to, to sit down and and share your experiences and i'm sure there's even stuff we haven't gotten a chance to hit on and uh Hopefully that just means we can do it again soon. Yeah, absolutely, so, man. Yeah, maybe we can do uh, a part two or something, whatever you want to do. Yeah, absolutely. So that's um, that's a wrap for this week's episode, everybody. Uh, thank you. We're geez, we're almost at two hours. Yeah. Uh, you know, so thank you for taking the time to listen. Hopefully, uh, you guys enjoyed this. Uh, we're gonna have a lot more coming down the line in the next couple of weeks. So stay tuned for that. Uh, let your friends know follow us on we're on spotify we're as of uh, like two weeks ago we're on google podcasts uh so wherever you guys subscribe to podcasts let your friends know let your family know help us get the message out there until next time everybody get out there stay safe and be prepared